You're listening to the McKinsey Podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the issues that matter in business and management. This episode is brought to you by the McKinsey Quarterly. Welcome to this episode of the McKinsey Podcast. I'm Simon London, an editor with McKinsey Publishing. Today, we're going to be talking about youth employment, specifically the stubbornly high rates of youth unemployment around the world, in Europe, North America, the Arab world, and elsewhere. What can be done to get young people into jobs? And how is it even possible that employers can have millions of unfilled vacancies at the same time as millions of young people are without work? To discuss these issues, we're joined from Washington, D.C. by Mona Moshed. Mona is a McKinsey partner, leader of the firm's education practice globally, and also leads Generation, a global youth employment initiative, which we'll talk a little about in this conversation. So, Mona, thanks for being here. Thank you, Simon. Happy to be here. We're also joined from Mexico City uh, by Maria Novales Flamarique. Maria is also a McKinsey partner and is leading Generation in Mexico. So, Maria, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So, um, Mona, let, let's start with you, if you don't mind. Just step back and give us a sense of the, the scale of the issue uh, globally. Um, how many young people are we talking about in terms of unemployment? And, and why does this matter to businesses or to governments? Why is this something that they should care about urgently? Sure. So when you look around the world, there are 75 million young people who are unemployed and three times as many who are underemployed. Now, that's at the macro level. When you look within specific countries and regions, it becomes even more extreme. So there are now multiple countries that have youth unemployment rates that are upwards of 50%. Uh, so if you look at Spain, if you look at Greece, and if you look at the Middle East overall, uh, youth unemployment rates of anywhere from 40 to 50%, and in some cases even higher, particularly in the more fragile countries of the region. So what we're facing is both an individual tragedy and a community and social tragedy and an economic one. You know, there is, uh, you know, I will, I, I will quote Ronald Reagan a little bit here, which is that the best social welfare program in the world is a job. Right? The ability to have income and to have the freedom with what comes with that is core to being able to build thriving societies. Adding to your point, um, if I just look at Mexico, we have about 45% of our youth, which is either uh, unemployed or underemployed. So they're actually you know, in the informal sector and they never actually have a positive uh, economic or life trajectory. And then also, you know, formal jobs essentially are competing against, you know, much higher paying jobs in organized crime, et cetera. And so being able to train and to form our youth to be able to have a you know, formal entry-level job that will give them opportunity to grow uh, becomes an imperative, particularly in countries such as Mexico and others where there is actually a demographic bonus, where we have generations of youth coming of age uh, over the coming years and you know, giving them the, the skills and the opportunities to be able to grow productively uh, becomes super important. This is something where McKinsey's not only been studying and, and working with clients, but it's something where we're actually trying to take an, an active role in creating solutions through the Generation Project. Um, Mona, why don't you just give us a quick overview of that? McKinsey created an independent nonprofit entity called McKinsey Social Initiative. 
And our very first effort is generation. Our goal with generation is to support one million young people to achieve jobs and skills across five countries in five years. And those countries are the US, Spain, India, Kenya, and Mexico. And through this effort, we're seeking to both prove scale as well as return on investment to both employers and young people, both of which we believe are necessary for a systemic solution in the world. Maria, um, you're leading generation in Mexico. Why don't you start by just saying what the situation is on the ground with uh, youth employment in the country? So we're talking about uh, approximately 7 million youth that are neither working nor uh, studying in Mexico, and probably another double, like the double of that, uh, underemployed. And so we're talking about 45% of Mexico's youth population uh, in either under or no employment nor studying. So this is a sizable number of people that we worry um, are essentially the future of, the Me of Mexico and, and don't have the opportunity to actually be able to become economically productive, nor insert themselves into employment uh, easily. And on the other side, what we, when we talk to employers, talent is one of the number one issues they face. So we have two types of talent issues. One is uh, for those employers, such as in the retail sector, uh, who face significant amounts of attrition. We're talking about 100% attrition per year and are hiring you know, 10,000 or 20,000 people every month. And then we have uh, other professions where there is no talent, uh, where the education system in Mexico may not have enabled students to actually develop skills, such as in uh, skilled trades, a sort of layperson's view would be this sounds like a sort of massive case of, of market failure. On the one hand, you, you've got a lot of idle resources, young, young people who want to work. And on the other hand, uh, Mexico just being one case in point, you've got employers who are really struggling to attract and retain entry-level workers. Um, is, is a market failure the right way to think about it? I would describe it more as, uh, I mean, so certainly it is failure. <laughs> Um, I would describe it as much to be execution failure as market failure, and, and let me describe why. You know, there are multiple parties that are required to make a solution happen for any particular young person. You know, so you need to, at the K-12 system, have been able to achieve a certain level of literacy and numeracy such that a young person, once they emerge from secondary school, actually do have the basics. Second, you have to have um, at the level of employers enough signals that are out there that says, you know, here, here's what I need in terms of someone who's going to be successful in these particular roles. You need uh, post-secondary education providers that are working closely with employers to be able to produce such people and to dynamically know as things evolve, as industry needs evolve. And there needs to be overall a funding system, be it public or private, that can enable all of these things to happen. So it's not a surprise, given the number of players in this space, that we do have the type of execution failure that we see. If I though, shift the question to, you know, what, what do we see as being essential elements in order to make this complex uh, environment work for more and more young people. Let me just describe a bit uh, what are the elements that we've put in place in Generation on the basis of having seen the failures across the board um, in programs and systems across the world. I mean, one, there has to first of all be a focus on 
middle skill jobs that are either high scarcity or high churn. Why? These are the ones that employers care about. If it's something where someone can be trained over a number of hours, they're not going to invest in that. They're not going to build relations with education institutions because of that. They're not going to put their own resources against that. So it's high scarcity, high churn roles where you can clearly make a link to business performance. So that's one. Two is then an ability to understand what actually are not just the skills, but the activities that most get in the way of someone being a high performer or a low performer in this entry-level position. And then on the basis of that, being able to create a program, and we would argue that boot camp style programs that are anywhere from five to 12 weeks long and that enable repeat and intensive practice in precisely those breakdown moments that most get in the way of someone being successful on the job is what is most needed. And that involves technical skills, behavioral skills, and mindset skills integrated so that by the time someone comes out of that boot camp, they are operating at peak productivity and quality for their tenure in that role. And then, and now in parallel to that, particularly for disconnected young people, there have to be social support services. So transportation allowance, stipend, access to childcare. Because if they do not have that, then they are not able to participate in something that is full-time and intense as what a boot camp is. And then finally, the ability to then work with employers to pre-confirm vacancies so that there is, it's not just training push, there, it's a very clear understanding that once you come out of that program, it's because there's a job on the other side. And then after that, to be able to measure the return on investment for both employers and young people. If these things are not true, it is, we would argue, almost impossible to be able to arrive at a systemic solution that produces results. Maria, why don't you talk, talk a little bit about the, the Mexico experience. Describe the, the boot camps, for example. What, what are we, uh, through generation, training young people to do and, and how? So um, our, first, our first program in Mexico was focused on uh, the retail industry, uh, seeking to train our youth for the high churn uh, cashier position. Uh, it, it may not sound uh, so attractive, but it's actually a position that's hard to get into. Um, the large retailers in Mexico actually hire one out of 10 people that show up at their stores uh, for the position. So, so it, it sounds like a very low entry job, but it is an actual entry job position that enables youth to then grow to supervisor positions and can actually uh, manage to get to you know, store manager level. And actually, we have quite a few cases of you know head of operations for half of the business, uh, et cetera, people who started as cashiers uh, in Mexico. So, so that's our, our first program is focused on that. Uh, it's a four-week program. It's fairly intense. It's full-time. We graduated 80 students in October uh, of this year. Uh, we actually had a great uh, offering rate with 91% of these students being offered a job. So again, we're talking 9 out of 10 versus 1 out of 10 uh, had they gone the traditional route. Um, and what we've done there is that we teach both, as Mona was saying, both the technical aspects of the job. So we actually have cash registers, we've got scanners, we've got keyboards to practice you know, the, the, all the, the memorization of the different types of codes for different types of fruit and vegetables. Um, and then we spent a huge amount of time 
on mindsets and behaviors. And we link that always back to the technical aspect of the job. So for example, to be a good or a high performing cashier, you need to be able to actually be, you know, have a great client service attitude and really want to create a wonderful client experience for that customer while it's ensuring that nobody is actually stealing money from you and you're scanning the right things and you know you're giving back the right change. One of the big sources of attrition for example in cashiers jobs in Mexico is that if you net out negative, you have 24 hours to actually pay that money back to the to the supermarket and that ends up, you know, reflecting into high levels of attrition. So also teaching the students to actually be very careful and to be um, you know, to be detail oriented is super important. What was super interesting throughout the boot camp is we worked a lot with with Gallup on the strengths finder methodology. And so we had a group of you know very low income youth. We're talking about you know 90% of our graduates were in the bottom rung of the pyramid in Mexico who had never been told what they were good at. And essentially with the StrengthsFinder uh, program, they suddenly discovered that they're actually good and that they have qualities that they can use. And that also builds up their confidence in themselves. We've also found uh, youth who are willing to make a change, who realize that they really want to work and they want to grow and they want to stop kind of the, the wishy-washiness or like being at home and not doing anything. Um, and that really comes through the whole mindsets and behaviors part of the training program. There, there are four clear mindsets that I think generation uh, strives for, which are you know, personal responsibility, um, a growth mindset, future orientation, and perseverance. And those mindsets are continuously reinforced throughout the program, and it, it, it actually changes their lives. I mean, what we hear from them is, uh, I never expected to have this opportunity. I'm excited to be growing and to working. And we even, even some of the parents have come back to us and said, you know, what did you do? You know, our child has changed um, and is, you know, is completely focused on trying to better their lives and, and, and get a job and everything else. And then Maria and then I keep talking retail. about how we can implement some of this with our own children. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had, uh, just, just so you know, Mona, our, uh, the executive committee of a, of a large retailer in Mexico actually said we should all go to Generation. We might benefit from it as well. So, um, uh, you know, it's a very positive experience. Um, and, and from, and from the, the feedback we're getting from the stores is uh, productivity levels and kind of the technical stuff is on par, a little bit higher. It's too early to tell yet, but it's on par, a little bit higher than our control groups. But from an attitude and a client service perspective, uh, you know, the, 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 the survey results are, you know, we want to hire more of these guys. Uh, we're really excited about the motivation and the attitude they bring to the workplace, and we see them as potential, you know, leaders and 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 kind of growers of the of the company. So, so it's a very positive experience from that sense. Do you just want to say a few words about the institutional partners that we need to to pull something like this together? You mentioned Gallup. Obviously, McKinsey is involved through the McKinsey Social Initiative. This is all in the public domain. So, so what are the other institutions involved, and what are the sectors that need to be represented to to make this work? So, uh, as you know, uh, we wouldn't be able to do this by ourselves. We essentially have a very small team uh, on the ground um, and essentially count on the support of a myriad of partners. And I'm, I'm going to, hopefully I don't forget any, but essentially we have every, everything from employers, 
So for example, in Mexico, Walmart Mexico has been absolutely great in helping us uh, develop the program and taking risk with us in developing the curriculum. And then we have several other retail employers who've joined the program as we've moved along. So companies like Chedrawi, Soriana, uh, and, and Office Max and others who are currently actively recruiting some of our graduates. Um, the retail, Mexico's retail uh, association, Antad, has also been fantastic in ensuring we're connected to the right people, uh, getting uh, you know the whatever equipment we need. They've been helpful in making sure we're speaking at the right forums to actually drive awareness of this, uh, including us in job fairs, etc. Uh, we have as well uh, players such as Tech Milenio, for example, which is part of the Tech de Monterrey's uh, university system. Uh, who has uh, been very supportive with their campuses in Mexico City, as well as instructors uh, for the program. Um, and then also USAID, as Mona was saying before, you know, institutionally this requires a lot of players. Yeah, not, not to belabor the point, that really underlines the fact that this is a systems issue. You have to have employers, industry associations, education providers, um, government or non-governmental organizations, and then you need somebody, by the sound of it, to play almost like a systems integrator role. Uh, and if you don't have somebody to, to do that, and I would imagine in some countries and in some industries, naturally one will emerge, an industry association, for example, but if somebody isn't playing that in a sort of systems integrator role, then yeah, a lot of these systems level issues are not going to be resolved. I mean, Mona, maybe you could just say a little bit about um, what else Generation is doing globally. Um, what countries is, is the program in and where are we at? So today we are live in 11 cities around the world, uh, across the, f the five countries of US, Spain, Mexico, India, and Kenya. We have a 90% job placement rate at this point. But even more importantly, we have been able to demonstrate return on investment both to employers and to our young people. Um, so for example, if I look at our program in Kenya, so we there have uh, now supported 500 young people uh, to go through a sales program for banks and insurance companies. It's a six-week program, and typically the banks will only hire university graduates, and they will only take about 10% of them. In the case of our program, first of all, we have 100% employment by graduation day for our students. Two-thirds of them have multiple job offers. Our students, uh, by and large, have a only secondary school certificate, and they have a GPA level of C or below. Um, whereas banks are only taking 10% of university graduates, they're taking over 65% of our graduates. Uh, if you look at attrition by the end of month three, typically for the industry, uh, attrition is somewhere between 35 to 50%. For our graduates, it has been less than 12%, all of which is voluntary. If you look at sales volumes, again, our students are outperforming university graduates. So this is how we begin to demonstrate the return on investment, such that we much more are able to have employers coming to us to say, how do we get access to this pool of people? We have examples both for our certified nurse assistant program and our, in, in the US and in India, where literally after just even eight to 12 weeks on the job, they have already been promoted to the next level. 
Um, you see at all of our graduations, the children of our graduate, because many, many of our students have are single moms or, you know, and their partners uh, have either left them or they're incarcerated. And you ask them, all of them, why are they here? They are here because of their children. They want to give their child a better opportunity. They want to see their child observing them working hard and making a better life for themselves. There is nothing more inspirational than watching the expressions and the journeys that our young people go through. Um, and so there's a lot of firefighting in the middle, um, but the graduation days and seeing the changes in their lives is um, some of the most special that I have ever experienced in my entire life. And, you know, the, I don't want to be a, too much of a devil's advocate because the, the personal stories are genuinely heartwarming. Um, but the obvious question is, does it scale? Uh, as you point out, uh, we started by saying that this is a very, very big problem uh, and mm. you do need to touch or, or society as a whole does need to touch millions of lives to really make a dent in it. Um, so what are we finding in terms of the, the scaling of the, the generation methodology? Absolutely. And so l let me put it this way. In May, we had only support to 200 young people. In December, we added a thousand. You know, so our pace of launching cohorts has—it's—it's it's now at the level of every two to three weeks in one of our countries, a cohort gets launched. That's you know, so one bit is how we turn generation into a machine, such that we are at the level of every two to three weeks a cohort gets launched. Um, so that is one. Two is in the design itself of we are a methodology. You know, so this this becomes a franchise model whereby literally for any set of providers, and we do now have providers coming to us in these countries and in other countries to say, how can, you know, how, how can we take your recruitment system, your curriculum, your ROI assessment methodology and bake it into what we do? That is precisely how this scales. So if I think of the next six months, we're going to be working very hard on the quality assurance systems, which we have such that at any point in time, you know, similar to how, you know, the, the, the other great franchise models in business operate that you know how it's going, that one, you have security of the inputs that have gone into it, the quality assurance of whether the delivery is going according to plan, and then most importantly, whether there is ROI for employers and young people. That's our focus. That's how this scales. If we are unable to do that, then we will be at the level of, you know, thousands per year, which simply is not good enough. Are there any uh, countries that don't need this kind of uh, this kind of intervention. Are there any? I know we've started a lot of uh, education to employment systems journeys initiatives. Uh, are there any countries where that really stand out as as already doing this very well? There are certainly. Uh, so I so at the country level, I would say to you, no. At the sector or ecosystem level, yes. You know. So for example. Um, if I look at Apprenticeship 2000, uh, which is in Charlotte, North Carolina, so you have a so it's it's focused on mechatronics, which if, if anyone for, for those doing advanced manufacturing, you need people skilled in mechatronics, which is a combination of computer science, process engineering, electronics, etc., to be able to run the facilities off their iPad. <laughs> right. So uh, essentially, you have eight manufacturers in different sectors, all of whom need mechatronic skills, who have partnered with the local community college to be able to produce a steady cutter of these individuals. 
Um, and now you and you know it, it, it costs you know roughly $175,000 per student over four years to be able to produce such an individual. However, if you ask these employers what is the cost of a bad cut, you know they would say to you it's a quarter of a million dollars. So yes, it's worth it. Right. You know, so that's an example of a high scarcity type of profession. Um, if you look at China with China Vocational. Um, China Vocational is responsible for about 60% of the new auto workers every year going to the automobile manufacturers. You know, that's a huge, I mean, and given the, even given the scale of a country like that, that's a huge number. Um, and so, uh, as, and again, they have an entire division that is dedicated to industry relations and, and con continuously understanding what is happening with their graduates, how our industry needs evolving, feeding that back into the curriculum and so on. So you can find examples for certain profession sectors. Um, I would argue that at the country level, this is not done systemically anywhere. Okay, so let's leave it there. Thank you very much, uh, Mona. Thank you, Maria, for a fascinating discussion. Uh, best of luck with Generation on the Ground in Mexico. Um, best of luck, Mona, with the project globally as it moves forward. Uh, if you want to learn more about Generation, go to generationinitiative.org uh, to learn more about uh, McKinsey's work in education and employment. Uh, please visit mckinsey.com. You've been listening to the McKinsey Podcast. To learn more about McKinsey, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at mckinsey.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.